0: I'm Matt Cooper and you're listening to First Impressions, the podcast where Irish personalities reveal the sporting heroes and events that first enthralled and inspired them. And on this edition, we're joined by one of Ireland's best known rugby figures of the last 20 years, a mainstay of the most successful Ireland and Leinster teams ever, a British and Irish line, a former captain of his country, In a professional career that spanned from 2004 to 2018, he won three Heineken Cups, three Pro-12 titles, three Six Nations titles, and of course a Grand Slam in 2009. He was twice nominated for World Rugby Player of the Year. Now very much involved in the media business and sports business, and also author of the book All In, and delighted to be joined on First Impressions by Jamie Heaslip. Jamie, how do you remember being introduced to sport and which sports do you first remember being interested in? Uh, the first
1: sport I remember being interested in, it's actually really easy. It's, it's rugby. Um, and and it was watching my older brothers play. They used to play in the Curra, which was a, when I look back now is a weird one because we literally, my folks house is like three or four miles from um from Nace Rugby Club. But I think at the time, just because my dad was, he was in the army, he was based in Curve Base. It was probably just easier for like transporting kids to and from training during the week and stuff like that. But yeah, it was going out and, and, and watching them. That was kind of like my first memory of sport, really. And then obviously, like a lot of young Irish kids, you know, you had the green outside the front of the house in the estate and you played whatever was going on um and and they were kind of the first when you say that to me they're the first the first impressions the first memories to come to me
0: yeah what other sports would you have played and liked mean, did you play football tennis hurling what would you have played
1: when I was younger, Matt, I played played it all. I gave hurling a go, but I, I, I think like I accidentally like hit a kid or something like that with it with a hurl early on, and that kind of put me off. Uh, which is ironic because I kind of hurt the kid, and then like it was ironic I ended up being a professional rugby player, where like you do hurt people constantly. But anyway, hurling, I kind of I, kinda, I don't know that kind of put the shivers up me. But I played G A, uh, swam, low, soccer, tennis, uh, squash, cricket. Whatever was, you know, flavor of the month, and particularly like, you know, Olympics one year, Soccer World Cup the next year, you know, whatever was going kind to of flavor of the month we were out there. Even curbs, you know, I don't even know if kids, kids play curbs anymore, but uh, curbs, rounders, the whole lot.
0: So explain curbs to me for those who aren't familiar with that as a game.
1: Oh, curbs. So you have a football and you're standing either side of the road and, and, and you're lobbing it and you're trying to hit the curb for it to bounce back to you. If you hit the curb and it bounced back and you caught it, that was one point, and then you got to go halfway and you get to throw it again until you miss. And then, um, so that was the game pretty much. But then, if you missed and you were halfway and they caught it and hit you, you lost all your points. So, um, you obviously kind of set a threshold of like 21 points or something like that, and you play towards it. And there, there were the things we did nice. I think loads of people have like random names for it. There was also like Tip to Can, which was. Probably the best game ever when you're a kid. Um, so they're kind of heavily rotated between the two of them.
0: And all of those sports that you played, were they useful, do you think, to you in rugby and later than that? They gave you a range of skills that you were able to apply to rugby. That, that's a really interesting question, considering con- there's kind of
1: like a battleground for like kids' minds between different clubs now and different sports now. And I actually always think it's, it's the best thing ever to play everything when they're young. You know, um, because a you just don't know what the kid will like um, or what they might excel in, and b it's great to have that range of exposure to different uh, sports. You know, I played, like swimming was another one that I absolutely loved. You know, and and um, I've no doubt that would have helped with my cardiovascular capacity, you know, playing rugby and NGA would have helped with my kind of ball handling skills. And, and, um, you know, all like squash would have helped with my hand eye coordination, you know, all these sort of different things. They all would have fed into it. And and to be honest, the most important thing is that like I was active, um, you know, I was out of the house morning, noon, and night playing games. Um, you know, and that's the most important thing considering that childhood obesity right now, you know, is, is increasing, that we don't kind of try and segregate, you know, play this sport and only this sport. I think just get them involved in everything and let them sort it out.
0: Go back to your siblings and how important was it for you to sort of emulate what they were doing and then maybe in time to do better than they had done.
1: Oh yeah, like I mean, it was monkey at at the at the, st- at the start as monkey see, monkey do. Like you just wanted to be, you just wanted to be your big brothers. Now they're ten and twelve years old, and i um. So by the time I got to an understanding of like you know of 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 what it meant they were gone out of the house you know what i mean and then they were like one of my brothers was playing for oxford you know the other had played for ireland day um you know and and they were kind of like when i was you know whatever 10 11 12 they were kind of intangible things that they're was like that is unbelievably cool but you never realized i didn't know what kind of path i was going to be on at that stage but as i got there i, I definitely got competitive so when i went to trinity i wanted to get my colors because my brother Richard had got his colours, and then when I got to uh, turn professional, it was like right, okay, I want to get an Ireland A cap, got an Ireland A cap, and then I was like, right, I want to get a senior cap, and and when I did, like, it wasn't bragging rights, but a little bit it was at the same time with, with my family. But um, you know, they set the bar, and uh, you wanted to chase it down, and, and there was there was nothing wrong with that—a bit of healthy competition. But I got lots and lots of encouragement. I'm very lucky, actually, that. You know, my brother Gray in particular was was one of the first people to kind of go professional in Ireland, and <clears throat> um, and you know at the time he would have been feeding a lot of that back to me, just as I was starting out in that journey of, of getting ID'd by different uh, in, through different systems. So it was actually it, it was great to kind of get that that leg up, I suppose. Um, yeah, it, it, it was it was good, but yeah, you're right. It was it was healthy brotherly competition
0: who were your sporting heroes growing up
1: oh well that's that's easy and you know this one already Matt. after after us doing so much together like in rugby it's simon gagan hands down all day long simon gagan Um, i don't know why so know what- given
0: that he he wasn't a number eight forward like you turned out to be there's a generation who didn't have the joy of watching this guy ah. scooting up and down the wing but tell us what was the attraction of him to you as a child
1: it was like David and Goliath, you know what I mean? Like he, he was he was this he had this this he almost looked like you know the hair you stick on a Lego piece. It was kind of like that. He had this bot this kind of this this piece of hair that's just stuck in his head and it was like going up and down, going up and down, all over the place frantically as he, he he was legging it all over the field and he was like cutting down Joan Lomu. I'll never forget that tackle, watching that tackle. Um and I don't know, Like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, you like the winger, and that's why you ended up spending so much time on, this, on the wing, you lazy gish. But uh, I don't know, it just, I like I the freedom that he played with, and, and, and the flair he played with, when at a time, we weren't that amazing, you know what I mean, as, as a team, um, we hadn't really that's won going a to whole That's putting
0: it mildly. It was a very yeah. poor team and he, he was the guy who had, and it's very interesting reading the likes of Neil Francis about him because he was a friend of his from the time. He was the guy with the professional attitude as well and the real win to win, to win and doing things correctly, despite the fact that people sort of maybe perhaps only saw him as this flyer on the wing who wanted to run in tries. Yeah, and, and
1: he probably had that because if I'm right, is he he's a qualified, is he qualified doctor, is that right? He's a solicitor. Solicitor, sorry. So he, but he would have had to learn a lot about, he would have had to put a lot of time and become a, a, a solicitor. And, and that kind of makes sense to me where, you know, when you say it now, like, oh, he, he probably would have understood like what you put in, you get out. Um, and that's probably how he approached it. And plus, he wasn't the biggest guy in the field. So he he, he had to kind of really work in his craft. Um, but then the, the other person that stands out to me when you ask me this is, and I'm this is going to be ironic as hell, especially to you, um, is Eric Cantona. um. Because in my younger days, I was a soccer fan, and um, United were who at the time when I started getting into soccer were the best, so I went with them. And uh, but I, I loved his, I, I loved his individuality and and the fact that he was he was quite authentic in himself. Now, look, he 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 did some uh, magnificent thing, things on the on the field, but he also did some uh, terrible things on the field, which we know well of. Um, but I, I just, I, I liked how authentic he was in a world where at the time, everyone was a little bit cast from the same mold to a certain degree. Uh, Roy Keane is another one who I would have um, looked up to a lot. And, and for that reason, because uh, he, he kind of pushed a standard, was quite authentic in himself and wasn't afraid to be himself. Um, and, you know, you can understand that that's, that's probably where I got a lot of my own um, unfortunate stubbornness from throughout the years.
0: I was going to ask you who the favourite team is. Does that mean Manchester United is the answer?
1: Well, so when I was younger, it's hard to say. Yeah, well, like it was. So I, I remember love, love watching like Champions League when I was kind of like a you know a young teenager. Um, and then kind of previous to that, really, it would have been, it would have been like to watch it would have been Ireland. Uh, I wasn't really a Leinster fan as such then just because, it didn't really seem like Intervincial was what it is now. And, and, and that game isn't what it is now, but I was a big, big Ireland fan. Um, and then I was kind of like, like, like when I was younger, it was like Kildare GA, you know what I mean? That's kind of was, was what you looked up to. So, um, uh, but yeah, it was, it's kind of a hard one to say what was my favorite team when I was, when I was, uh, when I was younger.
0: Did you get caught up in the whole fuss about the Kildare Gaelic football team in the nineties when Mick O'Dwyer was coaching it?
1: Yeah, well, like I mean, yeah, like I mean, I re- I remember going along to the kind of the rallies and stuff like that, and um, just because like everyone did, and you just kind of went with the went with it, and I was playing, like I was playing in East East G- you know, I, like I said, I played everything, swimming, Ga, um, athletics, uh, rugby, the whole lot, and so when when that was kind of like the. Uh, that was what well, people got caught up in. That's that's kind of that's what you did because that's what all your friends and, and your community were part of, and you jumped into. And the same thing because next Rugby Club went through a, a bit of a phase of that as well, um, when when they were kind of a, a dominant kind of in the in the in the town league, and they were kind of you know I was in the Metro Cup. Was it no? It wasn't the Metro Cup, but um, I was you know kind of going along to those games because I'd start playing for Nace then as well, and you're looking up to the seniors and stuff like that.
0: What sort of Gaelic footballer were you and what position did you play?
1: Oh, well, uh, <laughs> uh, my younger years, I was because I kind of got a growth for early doors. I was kind of stuck up the full forward because I was a big old unit. And then um, then I was made into a workhorse of a uh, midfielder for a while. So the engine, the engines I was showing early doors as well. So they, they had me running up and down like a like a headless chicken at times. But um I enjoyed it. I wasn't, I was okay at it. Like there was, there was lads who were were way better than me. But uh, what I lacked up in skill, I made up in in heart.
0: What was the first really significant big game you can remember going to as a child? Oh,
1: big game. Like, so the big game, it it really is, it's my brothers. So I, I remember going to them playing big games at under 18s and under 20s for the Curragh. Um, and they were they were really big games. And then uh, after that, it was watching Graham play for Connacht, um, and that was in the Warren Gatland era when they were going really really well. If you remember, they had a cracking team. Um, and it, it was I remember like hopping in the car with my dad, going over to the sports ground, watching them. Um, I never went to any of the games abroad, but my dad did, um, you know, which was no mean feat because you know, uh, you know. You know, they would have been expensive times to travel. Um so uh, somehow they, they managed to do it. But um, they were kind of the first big games that I remember being being going along to. And then I, I went to a lot of uh, internationals again. Uh, I was kind of, I don't know if they paid for half the tickets I went to. I think I was just like pushed in under the turnstile for the first while. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people were like that. Uh, but it, it was... Um, yeah, it was it was a great old time. Uh, but they were the Connacht the Conic games were probably the biggest ones I remember first going to.
0: And across all sports, what sort of games can you remember from your childhood that you would have watched on television and still stick out because they were so uh, big?
1: That's easy. Ray Hampton, 94. Like that's that's it like that's that stands out to me. So Chris, I even remember myself trying to emulate because he did cartwheels after or or, like not cartwheels what do you call them like tumbles whatever you want to call them and uh, me running around the living room and tumbles and tumbles and tumbles and tumbles and tumbles and And, uh, like my parents just like what is this idiot at Um, but yeah well it's funny I can see my daughter I had a lot of energy when I was a kid uh, and I actually see it in my daughter she just she wakes up at like uh, (laughs) she wakes up at seven and she, like, goes non-stop, nonstop. non-stop, one o'clock, down, out calls for two hours, wakes up at three, non-stop, 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 half seven, out like a light. And I'm, I'm kind of seeing that now. That's obviously what I was like to my parents. So I'd say they were happy to let me tire myself out doing the tumbles after I out and stuck it in the net. But, yeah, that's what kind of stood out to me. That, that and, like, Paul McGrath and those guys, that that USA 94 competition really stands out to me as as the first... Because I would have been, what, 11? Um, 10, 11 at the time. And, and it kind of... It's the big one that stands out to me when you when the instant you say that. And then after that, it's like Sonia Sullivan at the Olympics and um, those kind of big, big countrywide moments. Because you got to remember, it's hard for people to to kind of well, it's hard for, let's say, younger people to relate to that because there was no iPhones and um, there was no other way of seeing it instantaneous or hearing about it instantaneous than tv and watching that live event and that's actually it's kind of true now i suppose to a certain degree but yeah that that's that's kind of I remember everyone around us just just being cl- glued on it
0: yeah one of those great community moments going back to your own playing as a child what's your first memory of a big first big game that you remember playing in and how important was it to you at the time Oh,
1: oh, man! It was every weekend in the North Midlands League. Did you not know that? Like, it was, um, you know, every every Sunday it was, uh, or every Saturday morning. Sorry, we, we'd be off, shipped off to somewhere to play in the North Midlands um, League Blitz, um, and that was that was the, every weekend was the be all and end all. But there's one particular match that, that stands out to me when you say it is is actually we got to play. I I, I don't know if it was an inter-provincial game or or a or an international, but we, we got to play on Lansdowne Road and play across it, um, and I remember going, this, I, it was, in my eyes, it was like, this is an international. These people are here to see us play. Us Nates nice under 10s are what everyone's here to see. Um, and I remember taking like a piece of grass and trying to keep it, and I obviously lost it. but. Uh, I had it for a while, but um, that's what kind of, that was That was the big one to me. And then following that, I, I didn't really have a moment like it again until um, I was, uh, oh God, what age was I? I was 14 and I was playing my first year at Junior Cup Rugby and we got to the final against um, Black Rock. Then we got beaten out the gate by Black Rock. But that was the first kind of like uh, big like following the under 10s, obviously, the first kind of big moment that I would have had um, uh, you know, on the field.
0: And how did you cope with losing that as an under 14?
1: Oh, I was like, geez, there was tears and everything out of fellas coming back down the road to Newbridge. Um, you know, because it was, it, was, it was, there was such hype about it. And that's what actually killed me this year a little bit, not getting to see the juniors and your seniors uh, finish it out, you know, with COVID-19, because And there hasn't really been success in the college since uh, Mickey Quinn's days. And and I just want people to, I just want to be able to shut up Mickey Quinn and let someone else have the limelight, if I'm honest. But uh, yeah, he's relentless with it. But, um, you know, they didn't get the chance to kind of finish out that journey and and, and live that experience, be it winning or losing. But yeah, in our experience, there was a lot of tears, a lot of tears. Um, It was a good, great team. Um, But yeah, it was definitely a moment for us. And, and, Kind of like uh, again a bit of a David and Goliath kind of moment for us. Uh, you know, Newbridge College kind of at the time weren't weren't even as strong as they are now even, and um, to kind of be able to to, to go toe to toe with a lot of the big boys, big schools was was a great moment.
0: So, what was your first memory of winning something of any significance?
1: I didn't win anything until under twenties. Uh, it took us a while <laughs> for me to get any sort of success in rugby. I don't know why I stuck with it for so long. Um, yeah, we we won the uh Leinster League first with um Trinity under twenties and then we went on the same year to win the All Ireland League. And um that was the first time you know I'd had success on the field and and I just remember going around to the lad saying, Oh my god, this is the first time I've actually ever won anything in rugby. This is unbelievable. <laughs> um and and it was a pretty special moment. Um because I was young, I was like uh what was I? I was like 18 and, um, you know, still fairly young, a year out of school or two years out of school, whatever it was. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty special moment, particularly as, as, as Trinity, you know, they're a university team and, and the kind of that team, especially in their 20s, rotates really, really quickly, like all club teams. But, you know, as a as a, as a club, it doesn't have a whole lot of success because their team effectively rotates every three, four years with stu- with students as they, they move on to the other clubs. So it was great to be able to be part of some of the success in in what is the oldest consecutive running club in the world?
0: How difficult is it, as a young fellow, though, if you're not on successful winning teams, to continue playing and continue your development without giving it up?
1: Yeah, I, I think the important part then is like, is, and, and this is a big thing, isn't it, for a lot of um, community clubs as well that i I think that's what that's the importance of these clubs and the importance of what they the role they play in the community and uh, how they rope everyone in and and real give a real good sense of ide- identity i think that's what the really important thing is and that's how you you keep uh players and kids involved and um you know you go through these shared journeys together i mean it's not easy but um you know, it, you know, it's not easy when, when everyone, you know, if they're, if they don't win, I suppose, but I think you change that and you, and, and you focus on the experience and you create amazing experiences. And that's how I think you keep people kind of in the game.
0: When you're a kid as well, when you're a child, you build up games against rival teams and sometimes they would have special players that you get rather fixated on. Were there yeah. individuals like that when you were growing up and what did they end up doing in sport?
1: Well, the, the team that stands out is Barnhall when we were in Nace. Like, they were our enemy. Um, but no individual stands out for me. It wasn't really until I was coming through the age-grade system. Like, um, there was a player called Dave O'Brien who was a flanker for – I think he ended up going to – I think he was in – in Belvo or Michael's, I can't remember. And um, but I ended up actually playing with Dave Dennett under under 19s and under 20s. But then that was it. I didn't. I didn't really see see it after that. Um, you know, at my age grade, like my uh, Ireland under 20s team that got to the, the the World Cup final. You had some class players like Dave Gannon, Brendan O'Connor, Dave O'Brien, um, Brefni O'Donnell, Tommy Bow and. Um, O'Leary, Tomas O'Leary as well, yeah. These kind of players who who Shane O'Connor second row who kinda of kicked on a a little bit but but, you know, um through injury or or or, or the grind of the pro game, um, you know, uh, weren't able to to kind of um Stay with it, uh, or get the opportunity to kind of show it. away which is a, which, is a bit unfortunate, you know, because there were some some really some some real
0: class players there. And then w- it, when we did the book, you spoke a lot about coaches throughout your career, most noticeably Joe Schmidt, people like Stuart Lancaster, and going back Eddie O'Sullivan, tackling kidney at international level. But who was the first coach who really had an impact on the way that you played and gave you confidence in yourself to go forward?
1: Oh, that's a good one. So I would say. Uh, there would have been. Oh, that's a that's kind of stumped me actually. I would say you Tony Smith more
0: than one if it suits so suits you. Go yeah, yeah. One. So
1: I I'd say like Tony Smead did in in uh in Trinity, he let me play with a lot of freedom, and Hugh McGuire was was is still the forwards coach, and he helped me have a lot of freedom as well, and then. And then Michael Checker would be another one, obviously. Um, he, he, because, you know, I was very, very lucky that he was my first essentially professional coach and he was a back row player and he was young. I was able to relate to him in some way. Um, and, and he just gave me a lot of freedom to play and, and kind of be myself as such. Um, sorry, the, that's,
0: that's three times now that you've used the word freedom in how you play. And rugby has become such a very structured game. And you yeah. would have been throughout your professional career very much the professional who did the job as was required of you so why do you use the word freedom and in what way did Smith and Maguire at Trinity give you freedom to play
1: um well like uh, rugby goes through different phases of of style of play and um, and you know at that time I suppose they didn't really know what to do with this kind of like you gotta remember so I come I come into Trinity at 17 i 100 and what am I at that stage? I'm about 116 kilos, um, kind of running around. Didn't really know what to do with me, I suppose. And, and they kind of just tried to corral me. And sorry, uh, sorry, some, someone I really need to, two people I really need to mention is, is, is Colleen McEntee and Kurt McQuilkin, who at the time would have been, um, looking after me in, in kind of the, the Leinster Academy system or the Leinster kind of idea system. Um, and I'm really lucky because obviously Kurt's a back. And I got to play a lot with him and and play this, like the stuff he was doing was, was very unstructured attack kind of play. But then I also had Colin McEntee, who was a back row for Lansdowne, who's now uh, head of the elite player development pathway for Ireland, you know, really lucky to have those guys. So I had specialists in my position who, and then I had a kind of a guy who, who who, who kind of taught me how to interplay with backs to a certain degree. So then when, when I got someone like, uh, uh when i went to trinity for example uh, tony's a back you know what i mean and and he wanted me just playing with backs and i think that was just the style tony liked he liked the loose forwards playing pretty well with the backs and not and not having too much structure um, and and was quite similar but then you know but Checker then started layering in these kind of set play moves as well but still allowing a lot of freedom and such was kind of the aussie way i suppose back then um, but look that changed as you went on and then you had to fit into different systems and different roles and you have to flex in and out of that according to the teams and selections and um and and stuff like that so that that's that's a bit of learning and kind of in in understanding what who you are as a player as well and
0: what you can bring to a team and, and what your role um, can be, or, or sometimes has to be. If you hadn't gone down the route of playing rugby, can you imagine another sport that you would have played and enjoyed, and perhaps gotten to a serious level at?
1: Now, is this is this like, am I picking a lotto ticket here, Matt, or is this like a um, what we actually good enough to kick on at? What's the, what what two the... both two both? <laughs> well, I couldn't kick on to anything else, right? So let's get that one off the table. Maybe curbs, maybe curbs, and. Um, or tip to can but um uh, like a sport I would have loved to be an amazing as like uh, um two sports really are golf and basketball um one a whole lot less injury well basketball maybe injury but you know um a whole lot less uh, injuries a little bit it can be potentially longer um both you can play with your kids even when you're old and you're retired like I can't play rugby with like I couldn't go full throttle playing rugby against my kids, you know, even when they're adults, you know what I mean? Um, and then, obviously, you know, they if you have a professional career in those sports, you're more than likely to be set up when you retire. Uh, if you be been wise with your money, you don't have to really worry about that. Obviously, in rugby, you do. Um, so they would be the two that kind of stand out to me, you know?
0: Did you ever play much basketball?
1: Oh, a little bit in school, yeah, in school. Um, I didn't really massively get in basketball until I actually... Till about two or three years into being a pro um, and it's because i kind of went down the rabbit hole of 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 the business of sport and understanding that and 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 kind of people i was kind of looking up to and and, and stuff like that and, and i got pulled dramatically towards the nba because you know though in my opinion um they're some of the best uh, athletes in the world playing in the nba because they're, they're so big so fast gotta be so agile a lot of them um, have a lot of skill there, there's a real blend of, of things there
0: yeah you brought me to a question i was just about to ask which is as an adult who are the sports people you've admired the most and why and as well as i'm asking as an adult as a professional sports person rather than having the childlike uh, love of sport that you identified simon gagan for when you got to an adult who did you really admire
1: um that's 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 not a hard question for me. Um straight away Michael Phelps, um LeBron James, uh Kobe Bryant, um and uh Michael Johnson actually as well, um Sprinter. Um Michael Johnson and Michael Phelps because of uh, a book, uh, both of their books, uh, Slaying the Dragon, I think it was Johnson's first book, and I can't remember the name of, um, I think it was beyond limits or something was Phelps's book about the 2000, the Beijing games and how he prepped for that. And I think that's the one where he won loads of medals. Um, they're really interesting books on process and how they broke down the goal. Um, uh, Bryant and James, because the more I got into professional sports, the more I loved about it, the more I started, um, reading and understanding about, uh, the business of sport, um, how the lines between sports and entertainment are getting more and more blurred, how athletes, particularly in American sports are identifying their value in it, their brand in it, uh, how they position and all that, you know, and, and really, really interesting stuff. And, you know, there, I, I've, I've a load of books at home on both of them and one on, on Michael Jordan on how they were, they paved the way for a lot of athletes. And I think you're going to see more and more of that, um, across professional sports, particularly, um, in in team sports, where you know it happened in individual sports like tennis and golf and stuff like that, first uh, I think you're going to see more and more of it in in team sports.
0: Jamie, in All In, we went through the various big games that you've played in during your career for Leinster and for Ireland and for the British and Irish Lions. So I don't want to ask you about them. I want to ask you about the things that you've watched as an adult that you weren't involved in, be it rugby or be it other sports? What are the standout sporting occasions and matches that you remember? Um,
1: in rugby, the one that stands out to me is 2006 watching Munster in the final after they gave us an absolute hiding in the semis. Um, and... Sorry, were you cheering them on that day, were you? (laughs) Uh, I was, I was, you know what I was, I wouldn't, I won't say I was cheering them on, but I won't say I was cheering for the other team either. I was kind of watching with, I was watching with envy, if I'm honest, right? I didn't want them to win, but I was envious that they did at the same time. You know, it was was just rare. It was kind of like, and I'll, I'll come to the next game and it's the same kind of thing you know you wanted to be them you wanted they, they were set so they were setting the standard um and they were at the final and they did what they did in the final and i remember then i was on a, a churchill cup tour that year with masa leary and i was like show us the medal and all this sort of stuff you know what i mean um because that's what you wanted and they got it and you aspired to it um and they laid the foundation and um, or they they, they kind of they lit the fire i suppose is probably another another afraid, way of doing it um and then the, the next game is, is the next kind of a series of games would be for me as, a, as an athlete in my own sport would have been um, 2007 World Cup and watching the guys um, at the World Cup and wanting to be there. But again, you're in this weird place of you don't want them to be too successful because you feel like you should be there. But then at the same time, it's Ireland and you want it to go well, you know, and, and um, you know, again, really, when you, when, you, when you boil it all down, you're just envious and that's a, it's, it's a good thing because, you know, you want it um, and you and you know, you want to be there and you're like, OK, how, you, you know, you break it back down and it's like, all right, how do I get there the next time? You know what I mean? And, and that's it, that drove me on for 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 a good while. And um, and then when I look across other sports, God, there's so many that stand out. Um, but but when you ask me that question, that they're always the two kind of ones I go to.
0: But give us some example. Just pick something from one of the other sports, just so it's not all oh. rugby for people listening. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: um, it would have been watching. Uh, remember United came back in the Champions League final um, was it to win 3-2 Against or something Bayern like Munich
0: that? in 19- It was yeah. 2-1,
1: 1999. 2-1, sorry. Um, it was in Teddy Sheringham, played a blinder. Um, Teddy Sheringham
0: and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got the goals there in you, three
1: times. There you go. Um, I remember watching that. That be that be a one because like you was just you never you know what you I'd never experienced that until Northampton 2011 but like you, that was just on such a huge epic scale that um it kind of blew me away I suppose and then another moment that stands out to me is now I'm I'm not an expert on golf but where Tiger Woods does that chip in he's on the 16th hole. I think he just hit a horrible shot under the pump. I think it's 2005. It's it's the U.S. Masters. You know everything stacked up against him, and he does that chip in onto the green when it rolls back into the hole. Like a real like pressure moment, and and a guy delivering on on the biggest stage there is. Um, really, really stands out to me uh, as a kind of a, a big TV sporting moment when you kind of ask me that question, and then. When, when when i come away when i actually stick with golf completely then um Shane larry twice uh when the, when he wins the i is the Irish open as an amateur that's right yeah and then and then watched him win the um the british open um when was it last year two last year. last year um they, they were like again like just again david and goliath moments to a certain degree do you know what i mean um and that, like, he, he just, he followed through with it. And he didn't let the moment get to him. Um, they're, they're, like, they stand out to me, uh, like, as, as huge, huge moments.
0: Yeah, and why golf? What's the attraction of golf to you? Because it's a very, it's not a team sport. It's a very singular sport.
1: Yeah, I've no idea why, Matt, because I'm absolutely atrocious at it. Um, I've never been good at it. My, like, my, no one really in my family has played at it. I can't play it now anyway because of my back. Um, and... I, I don't know why, but uh, but as a as something to watch in a skill game and pressure moments and you know the the battle that's going on because it's all on one one individual and it it, it all rests on their shoulders and and which is ironic because I'm I'm a big fan of team sports but like it, it you know it's really interesting to see that kind of those pressure moments on individuals and how they deliver and how they deliver consistently and how they rebound particularly in golf how you can they rebound off bad shots and um, or sometimes guys capitulate or we you know we touched on shane lowry how how he you know kind of stayed at it and didn't let it get to him and delivered and just on those kind of big moments
0: is uh just, just a, I don't know, a weird fascination of mine. A final question, Jamie, and this isn't one going back into the past. We're finishing all of these interviews with a question about the future. Ooh. And if you were to be given the opportunity to watch only one live sporting event in the future, to be there for it, what would it be?
1: Oh, can I say two? And did I, oh. Yeah, of what? course you can. You okay, can. Well, and they're rugby related, right? One's very immediate. One's watching the lines beat south africa next year in in south africa um that would be amazing to see and then the other would be watching ireland win the world cup that would be that'd be amazing, be amazing. It would be,
0: but do you ever think it's ever likely to happen
1: there's no reason why it shouldn't happen or sorry there's no reason why it couldn't happen i should say um a lot of things have to go right matt as you know um you kind of have to have like timing in terms of players and where they are in their career and injury and the style of rugby that you're playing and the opposition and all sorts of different things have to go your way but um i do very much think it's um it's 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 a possibility just like the last world cup was a possibility um but you know uh, <laughs> being favourites or being in a really good place and delivering on the moment um, are two kind of very different things that are very hard to get right.
0: We will leave it there. Jamie Heasliff, thank you very much for joining us on First Impressions. No problem. Thanks for having me, Matt.